Hi everyone, Editing Edgar here. Before we get started, just a little note to say that my audio recording software was not picking up my microphone for the first two rounds of this quiz. So for about half the show, I sound like I'm recording from within a device that purportedly was invented by Thomas Crapper. Apologies for that, it gets good at the end. So without further ado, it's quiz time. Welcome back, everyone, to the fourth annual Christmas pub quiz. We have some friends returning from uh, past years, the old Avengers reassembled, and we also have some uh, some new friends, some very, very special new guests, which I'm so stoked uh, to get into. But first of all, the returning people, we got Bibberidian. Hello. Good evening. We got Mitch Jan Measley. Hello. We got Bill. How's it going? And we got Lycan. Hi. Hello. Now, we got two very special uh, guests, and those are David and Jesse Peterson. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Welcome aboard, folks. Thank you so, so much for being here. Yeah, we are we are recently married, so it's still exciting when we're introduced that way. Congratulations. Thank you. Come back yeah, to us next year, and uh, we'll be less excited. <laughs> Congratulate you even harder. <laughs> so you, Dave and Jesse, you need no introduction in the circles we uh, run in, but just for the sake of uh, being completionists, uh, give us an introduction. Tell the people who you are, what you do, where to find you. My name is David Peterson. I am a language creator. I've been creating languages uh, since 2000. It always feels strange to say that because it doesn't feel like a year. You know, the year 2000. Yeah, it feels like a thing. Uh, it feels like something that would be set on Futurama, and that's about it. Um, anyway, so uh, I've been in, enjoying creating languages for that time, and I continue to enjoy it. Um, and honestly, I don't know, I'm not anywhere now. I, I'm Daedalus uh, with a V on Tumblr. Um, I've got a website with that name, and I'm Athdavrazar on. Instagram, because somebody, certainly somebody in the Conlang community, thinking it was just a great joke, they took the name Daedalus. They have no followers, no posts, and have not edited anything on their account, and they've held it since 2012. And so uh. if somebody can just free it, I'd really like that username, and that is why I'm here. Campaigning for your Instagram account. Yes. Jesse. Yes, I am Jesse Peterson. Um, although some of listeners, some of the listeners may know me better as Jesse Sams. Um, recently changed my name. And I too am a conlanger and uh David's partner on many projects. And together we are co-hosts of Langtime Studio, where I usually have more of a voice than this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This yeah. is a this is a strong advertisement for Thursday's episode. Can't wait. <laughs> Surely I'll have my voice back by then. <laughs> a chilling vision of things to come. Uh, I gotta say, on the Lang Time Studio thing, uh, Bodial, thank you so much for making that. Um, like, I really get a kick out of and learn so much from watching people who are really great at their craft doing their craft in real time. 
And Langtime Studio was uh, probably the first one of these type of series that I got into. Um, and it, it really has helped me so much. Like, um, So thank you so much uh, for doing it. Keep up the good wow. work. Wow. Like, yeah. I, honestly, it, it kind of, I think, shocks us a little bit that somebody actually enjoys it. <laughs> Love it. it. It's very slow oh. going when you watch the real time. Um, it's, yeah, it's. You just had an it's entire so, convention organized around it. You can't be that surprised. I'm, I'm representing. <laughs> oh, you've got the got shirt. My, I got my shirt on. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to do a second one at some point in time somewhere so we can have more exciting guests. But who? Mm. <laughs> so for, for anyone listening, uh, what we're referring to is Copicon, which is a Langtime Studio convention that occurred uh, about two, 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 three months ago in September, wasn't it? September, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll leave a link to the Langtime Studio channel and you can check it out. It's all there. Uh, my vote, if you're going to do another one, when you do another one, uh, make it in Europe. Please and thanks. Oh, man. Well, I do know somebody, a couple of somebody's at uh, University of Edinburgh. Maybe we can... University? I thought we were going to do it in Bibleridian's house. Oh, well, gosh. <laughs> Edinburgh is not too far away from from the plateau, so <laughs> this is true. But your place is much larger, um, older, and I older I think certainly, quite, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and boxier. Um, we all want to see the lighthouse. Yeah, the lighthouse atop the. We've crack. been through somebody, this. It's not a lighthouse. It's a beacon. Oh, listen, somebody <laughs> did an incredible rendering. It was like. And um, like very old style, like King's Quest style art of the lighthouse. And I have to say, that's where you live now. I'm sorry. The picture was just too good. We got to share it with you somehow. (laughs) There are so many memes here that I'm going to have to explain for folks. Uh, This this is lore that comes from Langtime Studios chat. Bib is a character (laughs) in the Langtimeosphere. And it is said that uh, he lives in a lighthouse it's a monastery sometimes. I can't really keep up with all the lore. In, I would in truth, people, it is a monastery. It's a monastery. I <laughs> yes. would encourage people to uh, to check out Langtime Studio for the Bill memes. Um, it, it is worth it. So links in the description of this podcast. Go check it out. <laughs> so without further ado, uh, shall we begin this quiz? Yeah. Yay. Let's do it. And I should say, actually, sorry, folks, I forgot to mention, um, I'm not taking part this year because there's an awful lot of people involved and I want to give space for everyone else. So I'm just going to be emceeing. You're probably not going to hear much from me. I'm just going to do scores and things like that. I'll try and keep Mitch under check, that sort of thing. But really, this is about all all of the other uh, participants. So round one, we got Bibliority. So... For my round, I tried to do something fun this year. Um, that's not what I want. If I just do that, does that work? You should be receiving an image file in the in the chat. Oh. 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 I prepared some visual aid, which in retrospect isn't actually that necessary, but whatever, it's something to look at, I guess. Um, so, my three questions will be revolving around these four different genera of extinct animals. And I've taken the liberty of assigning letters to them just to, for the sake of clarity and ease. 
Uh, so in order from A to D, we've got Livyatan, Jormungandr, Ankalagon, and Meraxes. Um, so first of all, is, is everyone seeing that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Okay, excellent. That's the hard part done. So for question one, um, well, I should say, so all these four uh, genera have a particular commonality, aside from the fact that they're all extinct animals, and that is that they are all named after something. And so for question one, I would like you to tell me the thing that their namesakes have in common. And for the audience, these pictures, there's pictures associated uh, with Bibs Round. It's going to be chapter art, or it's going to be on the YouTube video now, so go check it out. Let me know when you're ready for question two. I have no idea. This is very interesting. I, I will be quite generous, I think. Uh, as generous as I can be. Don't say that. I could I, I could make an answer that's so vague. I'm really good at that. <laughs> well, I think last year I gave you a point for saying that trees were people or something, so I can extend that, that same degree of generosity this time around. Trees um, are people, salad is murder. <laughs> <laughs> I believe what it was was that uh, all of the names of trees could also theoretically be names of people, and you yes. can't prove that there isn't a person named that. Yes, I think I think that was it. And you, I can't remember if it was you or Zidnaf who adopted the name Telperion by the end of it, but... That was so fun. That drove me nuts, but that's fine. <laughs> all right, so are we ready for question two, then? All right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so for question two... Um, the aforementioned namesakes of each of these uh, genera appear in a separate work of literature or cultural text, as it were. Um, so for question two, I would like you to tell me the name of the text or piece of literature or whatever you want to call it that each of them appear in. And you'll get a quarter point for each one you get right. Does everyone understand that, by the way? I'm not sure I explained yeah. that very well. Yes. So all, all their namesakes are appear in a specific work? Yeah, each one appears in a different sort of um, body of work. Not not sure how else mm. to describe that, but yeah. So if you could tell me, and again, I, I will I will be quite generous with this, this one. Hmm. This seems dependent on getting the first question right. Hmm. To some extent, that will, that will certainly help you out. And let me know when you're ready. How do I even make a guess for this? That's the thing. Wildly. I'm with confidence. Um, if you if you think about some of my um, question asking tendencies in previous years, you'll probably get at least one of them right. Uh Point of order. Do, uh, do we have to uh, get the specific thing right? Or if, if we just say any four of them in any order and one of them is one of them, is, does that count as something? Um, we'll, we'll see. When we get to the actual question marking, I might you know, extend some, uh, some generosity for that. Tis the season. Hmm. Okay. Um, and we do always have... Um, what's it called? The... the 
Inspiration magic. points. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Um, I should po- I should point out for David and Jesse. So uh, if they're during your rounds, if someone answers in a particularly funny way or is just very intelligent, anything like that, you may award per round one inspiration point. Um, or not. It's up to you. Uh, or you can abuse it like Mitch has historically done. It's it's whatever. <laughs> I was given explicit permission this time. <laughs> you are, you are. Let the record show. <laughs> okay. Final question. And if you got the answers to the previous one, this one should be really easy. But I would like you to tell me the language of origin of all four of these. And again, quarter point for each one you get. Can you uh, pronounce all of them out loud again? Um, that would be Livyatan. Jormungandr, Ankalagon, and Maraxes. Bailey, I'm in the middle of recording. Who's Bailey? Uh, the dog behind me who's having a drink. Very noisily for some reason, just to irritate me. Tell them they're a good boy. They're a rare pupper. Bailey, did you hear that? Dog <laughs> says you're very good. <laughs> I'm sure she appreciates that. Um, yeah, the thing with scientific names is that there's very little actual consensus on how they're supposed to be pronounced. A lot of them have just been mm-hmm. anglicized. So I'm sure the average biologist would say just Livyatan, Jormungandr, and Caligon, Maraxes, you know. Jormungandr, I love that. Jormungandr. But we expect more out of you, Bibleridian. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best. Those beautiful word final roll doors. Oh, I wish I could. I wish I could. Wait a minute, you can't roll your R's? I, I can just about roll them in initial position or vocalically, but at the end of words, it's just not happening. It's it's just like a boulder, you have to push it. <laughs> See, if I, do, I go, <laughs> that's all I can do. <laughs> that, that hurt a little bit of it, and, and you've, you've done... You've turned my, uh, my, my idea with red hot chili peppers. You know, give it away, give it away, give it away now. Keep going. Do you know how actually I actually practiced it? There was a YouTube video and it was like, you need to pronounce the Spanish words camarel and, oh, uh, yeah, caramel and camarón over and over again. But the way they had you do it is that one just organically becomes rolled as you like tap it increasingly more. But see, that's fine. Like I go aura. Like, and it kind of is a trill, but I can't do something like dar. It just doesn't work, which yeah, is awful. You sound a bit like mm. Chewbacca eating a wine gum. <laughs> Camarón, Camarón, Camarón. And then you get you to do that over and over again. But yeah, I can't do Jormungandor. It just, yeah. <laughs> just doesn't work. But then, of course, you'd be pronouncing Camarón incorrectly. Because it's Camarón, not Camarón. <laughs> oh, possibly. Like, maybe that was just the thing that they were getting you to do. I, I don't remember. But anyway, it got me to doing uh, initial roll doors and intervocalic roll doors, kind of, but yeah, at the end. Um, but listen, David, wait till you hear the way I pronounce sandwich. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say? What did you just say? <laughs> sandwich. Sandwich that you eat. That you eat, yeah, sandwich. I'm so ashamed of you. <laughs> I love it personally. It's it's delightful to me. Thanks, Mitch. There are places around here where you have like a ham sandwich uh, that people just call a hang sandwich, uh, which is just an abuse of the English language, really. But it's the best abuse. Hiberno English is the best English. It is the best English. 
I used that sound change for Castathon. I feel a little bit better about it. <laughs> Velarization. Yeah, bef specifically before W. Um, it, it makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, the the she really tested. The velarity comes through. It's really. I I like it. I think sandwich sounds lovely. Sandwich. Sorry, I don't want me to mock the American accent, but sandwich sounds. Yeah, it rhymes with language. It's great. Sandwich, yeah, sandwich, language. <laughs> As someone who, well, I wasn't born in Sandwich, but I lived in Sandwich for some time. Oh, no. Really? I feel something of an authority on the subject. <laughs> you, you lived in Sandwich? What are you talking about? I did. Sandwich, where the Sandwich was invented. Yeah, the Earl of Sandwich, who was from Sandwich. It's named after the guy. Yeah, did you did you go to the museum? Like, do they have really good sandwiches there? Like, I uh, we need to stop. You need to tell us more about this right I, now. I was very young at the time. I don't really remember. But what I do remember is that there's a town next to Sandwich called Ham. <laughs> <laughs> Legend. <laughs> good old now, village. Now, uh, question three, Don, I assume? Oh, yeah. I forgot. We're playing. Um, yes, everyone have question three done. Yes. As much as I can. I have zero confidence in any of my answers. Excellent. It's going to be great. Yeah, so uh, again, what we're going to do uh, is Bib is going to read out each of the questions. Uh, and then after each of the questions, we're going to go around the carousel, give our answers, etc. rinse and repeat. Okay? Right. So question one is, what do all of their namesakes have in common? Mitch? Uh, yeah, uh, they're all nouns. <laughs> <laughs> And again, I was given explicit permission to be uh, to be vague here. So all their namesakes, they're nouns. I can't believe you're considering a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? I'll think about it. Who's next? <laughs> David. Uh, they are mythical literary beasts. Jesse. I have that they are beasties mentioned in books. Bill. I have mythical slash apocalyptic beasts. Lycan. I had fictional slash mythical monsters slash dragons slash serpents. <laughs> <laughs> and the correct answer? Yeah, you, you all, except for Mitch, nailed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have accepted mythical beasts, monsters, or dragons, or any permutation of that concept. And yeah, I think you all nailed that. And for, for Mitch, I mean, you're not wrong. Um. Mm. Now, I'll, I'll give you a quarter point for that. Okay. That's great. I, I will accept zero points for the rest of the round at that one quarter point. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's more than fair. Excellent. Okay. Uh, question two. Um, what was question two? Um, yes. Name the body of literature uh, that each of them appear in. Mitch. Uh, as established, I didn't recognize a single one of these names as being anything. So, uh, please have in the dark from context clues and stuff. Uh, I think at least one of them is probably from Lord of the Rings and the rest are from some other mythology. Okay. David. So I'm hoping that I got some of these right because now I'm feeling less confident I said Leviathan was from the Torah, though, of course, if you're me, it's also, he's probably most famous from being from Final Fantasy 1. Uh, second one, I said the Eddas. I hope that's right. Uh, third, I had no idea. 
Um, it sure did look like a sandworm, though. So I said Dune. And then finally, <laughs> uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Nice. Jesse. Okay, so um, for <clears throat> the Leviathan, as mentioned in Leviticus of the Bible. Is that also the Torah? <laughs> so I mean, yeah, isn't it? The old five. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. The yeah. old, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the second one, I just put Nordic mythology because I couldn't think of the name that I was trying to think of. The third one is a nod to one of my husband's favorite books, and that is Manuscript Found in Saragossa, because I just wanted to put something there. <laughs> and the fourth one was Quixote. Oh. Why not? Is it Dune? Song of Ice and Fire? <laughs> the fourth one, Meraxes. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> it's also you, you act, Don Quixote. He acts like I have actually seen a house of the dragon they have maraxes in there uh-huh but why would they name the thing after it wouldn't the dragon in there be named after that no 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 this was a, the, the, it was a later naming <sighs> they've discovered it and named it after anyway sorry all right <clears throat> bill well i've just learned new information but um so my answers in order uh, a i said the bible B, I said the Eddas. Uh, I will be specific if you require it, but I all I wrote down was the Eddas. Um, anything further than that would be a gamble. For C, I said the Odyssey. And for D, I said the Epic of Gilgamesh. Like it. Um, for the first, I put the Bible. The second, for Jormungandr. I wasn't sure whether it was going to be the Hovamol or the Eddas, but the Hovamol... I thought, not likely to be that. Don't think there are lots of dragons in that. So I went for the Eddas. For the third, Lord of the Rings. And for the fourth, Song of Ice and Fire. Very good. All round. Um, so, um, yes, for A, I actually would have accepted two answers. Uh, yeah, Livyatan, um, you could, yeah, the Bible or the Torah or the Mikra or any of those would have been acceptable. But... Um, I can't believe I didn't recognize Leviathan. That's That's... Putting the stress on a different syllable, that's me up I so much. I intentionally didn't like... pronounce it Leviathan, because I thought that would be too obvious. Um, it would be, you're right. But specifically, uh, Leviathan um, is a genus of uh, predatory raptorial whale, um, and I believe there's only one species known of it at this point, and that's Leviathan melvilleye, which is specifically oh. named after Herman oh. Melville. It's the whale from Moby Dick. So yeah. you could have that said that rules. and got the point too. Mm-hmm. Um, B is Jormungandr, which, yes, is the, um, the big snake, um, yeah, the big snake, yeah, excellent description, uh, from Norse mythology, um, and, yeah, I would totally have just accepted Norse mythology, but you all went for the Eddas, which is, is very good, and I do not know specifically if it appears in, um, Hovamal, or the, um, Voloshpas, or whichever other ones are involved in there, but I think, yeah, Eddas is, is perfectly... Uh, good for a point. Uh, C uh, on Carlagon is the name of the mightiest dragon to ever exist within uh, Tolkien's legendarium uh, that was slain oh. by Eärendil in the War of Wrath. Um, I read any of that? I've actually read that and I didn't remember. Hmm. I mean, it's only a, a very brief footnote, sadly. Um, also, yeah, minor story. Yeah, the I used Ancalagon, um which is a, a genus of preapulid worm, because that was named... There was, there's another 
genus of, um, it's a, I believe it's a hyenodont that's um, also called Oncologon, but it's spelt with a K because um, Simon Conway Morris had already named this one Oncologon, and for some reason he saw fit to name this random, like, centimeter-long worm after the greatest dragon ever to exist. So he just <laughs> stole that name, and so the other guy just decided to use Oncologon with a K just out of spite. So yeah, that's Lord of the Rings, or more specifically, Tolkien's mythology. And D, Meraxes, is indeed from A Song of Ice and Fire. Cool. So nice. points-wise, Mitch, what do you get? I guess I got a quarter point that time. Excellent. Mm-hmm. David? Three. Three points. Very good. Jesse? Well, three quarter points, so 0.75. Three quarter points, right. So 0.75, mm-hmm. there we go. Jesse? I, I believe I got half a point because I got two of them. Excellent. Bill? A half point. Lycan? One full point, please. Ooh. Flexing he is with his knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Very impressive. <laughs> Um, and the third question was, uh, what is the language of origin of each of these names? Mitch. So once again, just based purely on the aesthetic of what the words looks like, uh, I guessed, uh, Greek, something North Germanic, uh, English was, that's definitely wrong, and Latin. Hmm, interesting. David. Uh, so, uh, Hebrew, uh, Icelandic. Uh, Latin, because I didn't recognize that one, in High Valyrian. Jesse? Hebrew, Old Norse, Greek, and Spanish. <laughs> no, I was just going for it. That's one of the main dragons in the first season. <laughs> I, you act like I remember names. <laughs> Bill? Uh, I said Hebrew, Old Norse, Greek, and Sumerian. I'm loving what people are thinking High Valerian sounds like. This is pretty cool. Like it. I said Biblical Hebrew, Old Norse, Sindarin, and High Valerian. And the correct answers were Hebrew, Old Norse, Sindarin, and I believe High Valerian, unless David wants to throw in a curveball and say it's actually a Gascari loan word or something. But to my knowledge, it is, it is in fact High Valerian. David, you control the points here. You can make it so people don't get. <laughs> I mean, it, technically, it comes from the proto stage, but it's turtles all the way down. High Valyrian counts. Just as as a point of curiosity, no one gave this answer. But would English count for the latter two? Because Lord of the Rings and A Song of Ice and Fire were written in English. I would look for the the etymology of the name specifically. Okay. So I I would have to yeah. probably say no for that. Full disclosure, Sindarin was a complete guess. I had no idea, but I thought, you know, what's a famous Tolkien language, Sindarin? That'll do. <laughs> George R. R. Martin originally did compose the Song of Ice and Fire in Sumerian. I, just, I, want, to, I want to make that, want to make that known. <laughs> brought it to his publisher, and they're like, we can't do anything with this. Well, it's translated. <laughs> I love it, but... <laughs> he brought it in in, in clay tablets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, Mitch, how many points? Does is North Germanic specific enough for that one? I think if we start halving quarter points, <laughs> that <laughs> might get a bit crazy. Cool. So I got an eighth of a point. An eighth? Are we doing? Go on. Go on. I'll leave that up to Edgar. Go on. Um, David, how many points? Uh, I suppose Icelandic doesn't count. Does it? Mm. 
I'm, I'm going to have to say no on that one. But it's uh, truly incredible. The Icelandic language hasn't changed at all in over 2,000 years. Haven't you heard? Mm. <laughs> I've, I've heard. All those pop linguistic articles written about it say that. And it's, it's definitely true because they say it. Yep. I got a half point. Well, can someone fill me in here? Is this a claim that people are making? I never heard this before. Uh, but yeah, no, they, this is, it's one of those things such as like you might have heard that it is literally impossible to swear in modern Hebrew. It's just physically impossible, can't be done. Um, yeah, but there is a claim that Icelandic is um, uh, the most uh, conservative language and that if a modern, somebody speaking modern Icelandic were to go back a thousand years, they could communicate perfectly with everybody in Iceland. Mm. without changing anything. That sounds 100% correct. I have no problems with that <laughs> Bill? My favorite bit of linguistic misinformation I've ever come across is, I can't remember the origin of it, it's not, it's not totally modern, I think it's like maybe early 1900s or something, but that there are pockets of Irish Gaelic, or like mutually intelligible with Irish Gaelic, spoken in the Atlas Mountains in North Africa. Mm. Nice. No, no, that's 100% yeah. true. Wow. Yeah, I'll believe that. <laughs> Jesse, what you get? Half a point. Half a point. And Bill? One halved point, please. That was so awkward the way you said that. One half. Yep. <laughs> I like it. Damn right it was. And I'll do it again. Like it. How about what you get? One full point, please. Ooh, okay. So at the end of this round, mm. we have Lycan in the lead, uh, David second, Jesse and Bill tied, um, Mitch, I'm sorry, pulling up the rear. So, we're on to round two, which is Mitch's round. All right, so uh, my theme this time around uh, is common misconceptions, uh, pulled from uh, one of my favorite Wikipedia articles, a list of common misconceptions. Uh, if, if, if you haven't read it, highly recommend it. It's a treasure trove of fun information. So uh, for each of these, I'm going to be presenting you with uh, an incorrect statement that a lot of people believe. Each of these has uh, two key facts that's wrong with it. Um, and I want you to both identify the incorrect fact and also correct it. Like, tell me what the true thing is about it instead. So uh, I will figure out how points work depending on how people answer, I guess. Okay, so there's two for each one. Yeah, two interconnected not, not distinct things, they're interconnected things. There's two key points to correct, basically. Uh, so, number one. Humans only use 10% of the brain. But if you could use 100% of your brain, you'd be able to do, like, so much more stuff. This hurts me on a visceral level. This is my least favorite trope in anything ever. I d mm. Ugh. <laughs> so identify and correct... Everything that's wrong with this claim. Of looking at all these faces deep in thought, using only using only that ten percent of the brain. <laughs> it's impressive how much we can do with so little, you know. <laughs> can you imagine what it would be like if you could use the whole brain? <sighs> yes. I really hope that all of these misconceptions are vaguely like biology related, and we just drive Bib up the wall by the end of this round. Question two. All right. 
The taste buds on the tongue are divided into multiple regions, with each region able to detect with each region able to detect exactly one of the four primary tastes: the tip of the tongue for sweet, the back of the tongue for bitter, and the sides of the tongue for salty and sour. Right. Wikipedia actually has a, a chart of this incorrect idea. Would you be able to read that out one more time for me, please? Yeah. So the taste buds on the tongue are divided into multiple regions, with each region able to detect exactly one of the four primary tastes, the tip of the tongue for sweet, the back of the tongue for bitter, and the sides of the tongue for salty and sour. Are we ready for number three? Or should I say number two? Because the third one is, uh, the word crap comes from Thomas Crapper, the inventor of the flush toilet. Oh dear. I remember my English teacher in high school very confidently telling me this. <laughs> it's not true. This, this isn't true in two ways. I gotta say, when I was looking through list of common misconceptions to find which ones would be good for this, uh, a lot of the really fun ones would not work for this format because it once you know that it's wrong, it's really, really easy to guess what the truth is. Uh, like one of the one of my favorite ones on the list is uh, the common misconception that sharks don't get cancer, and the truth is that sharks do get cancer. Like, yep, yep, that, that's yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> but naked mole rats don't. A lot of people think that like a duck's quack doesn't echo. It does. Oh, like that—that that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> How would that even work? It's like it's—it's it's nonsense on every level. It's incredible. No, the thing is, if you hear the echo of a duck quack, that means you're going to die in 50 years. Right, right. <laughs> I'd love to hear the echo of a duck quack then when I'm 85. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> well, because then I've got another 50 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, duck, the echoes of duck quacks are kind of the secret sort of back entrance route to immortality. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just live somewhere where there's no ducks for as long as possible. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, are we all good? Yep. Yes. Yeah. All right. So question. So question one was, I guess statement one. None of these are really questions. Statement one was, uh, humans only use ten percent of the brain. But if you could use one hundred percent of your brain, you'd be able to do like so much more stuff. So what's wrong with that? Bip. Everything. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, the very first thing I wrote in all caps was just rubbish. Um, but <laughs> okay, so first of all, humans in fact use one hundred percent of their brain. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a reason why the frontal lobe in humans has expanded so much. It's more than tripled in size in the last million years. It'd be rather strange if that happened for no reason. If there was, if humans were still only going to use ten percent of it, um, and even if that were true for some reason, um, why would that have any, um, why would that imply magic? Why would that imply the, the, the capacity to defy the laws of physics? That, 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 was never seem implied in, that was never implied in the statement. <laughs> it was just do more stuff. Well, very often this gets wrapped up with the whole it telekinesis does. thing, which is... Well, make so many claims with this. That was the most all-encompassing. I'm not going to give away the answer until everyone's given stuff, but... Okay, David. Um, 
so uh, I, I just had written here, um, trick question, this is actually true, and Bibliridian will back me up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I wrote, uh, humans use all their brains, and there's no further incredible abilities humans could unlock by using more of their brains. Jesse. Okay, so my answer also references magic. Um, well, I first wrote, it's just false all around. Humans use as much of their brains that is normally functioning uh, because brains control more than just intelligence and other measurable factors. What people really want is to be able to have a cat brain because that would truly make us magical beings. Oh, that's good. That's definitely true. Bill. Uh, I wrote down all of the brain is used and using more brain does not equal doing more stuff necessarily. Um, um, I, ha I think I had a third point, but I didn't write it down. And I can't remember what it is, but there's two points. Lycan. I wrote, you actually use 100% of your brain, so continuing to use 100% would make no difference. However... <laughs> If we define using your brain as activating all your synapses at once, what would happen is that you would die, and therefore not be able to do lots more stuff. <laughs> this, that is true. You'd probably feel incredible for that minute, for that second, though. <laughs> Incredibly bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unit incredible. I didn't specify which direction. Uh, so everyone got the first half which is that yes the entire brain is used it's all important if you like obviously all of the brain does things however only lichen got the second part which is what would happen like if you the only way to interpret this where it makes sense is that yes it is technically true that at any given moment only a small portion of your synapses are firing uh it's not really it doesn't make sense to like measure it quantify that with a percentage but that is technically true but if you were to use the entire brain at the same time, uh, you would have a seizure and die, which is the opposite of being able to do more things. Wait, you're really going to say that we didn't get the other half point because we didn't say that? Oh. Well, you need to get both things that were wrong with the statement. And oh. the first thing that was wrong <laughs> with the statement was that you only use 10% of the brain. And the second thing that was wrong with the statement was that if you use all of the brain, you'd be able to do more things. Well, those were the two things that were wrong. Uh, um, I think, I, I, I think, like, yeah, like, in I was just going to say, you know, there, there's always going to be some leeway in these answers, and it's under the authority of the person who has written the question to determine what is an acceptable answer and what isn't. So I, I think everyone gets half credit, and Lycan gets full credit. I think that's how we're going to score this one. I think Je uh, uh, Jesse gets three quarters credit for the cat brain thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, inspiration point, nice. Okay, we'll do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Question two. Um, question two. Uh, it, was, it was a whole bunch of nonsense about the parts of the tongue. Uh, the, the taste buds of the tongue were divided into multiple regions, each region able to detect exactly one of the four primary tastes, and then I explained what the different regions do, which you don't need to hear because it's wrong. So, uh, Bim. Right. Um... So I wasn't 100% sure exactly what to hone in on for the two parts, but number one, taste buds are not divided into different regions of the tongue. And even if they were, they couldn't detect exactly one of the different flavor types. And I'm actually not too up to date on this, but 
where does umami fit into this whole thing again? Is that distinct from, um, from savory? Yeah, that's basically everything I had written down. Also, as a fun fact, cats are incapable of sensing sweetness. Ooh. Both really? cats, hyenas, and a couple of other mammals all have a, um, there's a particular gene uh, for the sweet receptors that is switched off because they don't need it because they don't have any really high glucose things in their diet. But cats do have additional taste receptors for ATP, which is in very high concentration in meat. So, And yeah. cats can smell fat. If cats can't taste sweet, uh, does does Jessie want to reconsider her earlier statement about cat brains? Because I, I feel that that would be a significant loss. <laughs> um, um, however, according to a lot of human biology, we should eat less sweets. So it would make us magical. We wouldn't want them anymore. Mm. Mm. <laughs> is it worth it? Mm. <laughs> well, the danger is we would continue to eat sweets, but we would never know. <laughs> <sighs> David. Uh, there are more flavors than those listed in the question, and they're not associated with particular regions of the tongue. Uh, furthermore, smell receptors play a crucial role in tasting or determining taste. Jesse. I say there are different taste bud sensitivities, and there are different basic sensory flavors we can detect, but they are not zoned or precisely labeled by, you know, taste bud tasting abilities in that way. Bill. Um, I wrote down there are more than four fundamental tastes. Uh, umami is usually given as the fifth one, um, and the taste map is not real. Um, taste can be distributed on the tongue, but it's not in any kind of consistent, systematic way across people. And like it. I said that there are not only four distinct taste regions. Taste buds of different kinds are distributed across the tongue, albeit in different densities, and they can discern more than the four tastes listed. Okay. Right. So I think everyone got the main points, which are that, yes, uh, the tongue isn't divided into these regions like this. Every part of the tongue is capable of tasting every fundamental taste in different amounts. And that, uh, I only some of you mentioned this, but it is also true that um, it does vary uh, in different parts of the tongue are more sensitive or less sensitive to different tastes, uh, but it's not divided into discrete zones like this. And also it varies from person to person. So like you can't do one universal map in this way. Like everyone's different. And, um, and the other key thing was that these are not the only four primary tastes. There is a fifth one, which is umami, which I'm going to say everyone who specifically said umami or that there are five uh, gets full points for that. And you get most of the full points for that if you only said that there's more and didn't specify umami. Okay, okay, you have to go through. Babe, what, what did you get? Sorry, I'm being distracted by a cat. Um, <laughs> I think I got full Give her sweets for that round. They got full credit for that. Full credit for that. David. Uh, I don't think that's up to me to say. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you mention umami specifically, or did you just say that there's more tastes? Absolutely not. I said that there is more. I would totally give the full the full marks for mm. more. Yeah, yeah. because, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a meaningful distinction in that at all. Everyone, I think, did did everyone say there's more tastes? I, I I'm think pretty so. sure everyone did. Okay, then everyone gets full points. Yeah, I, th I, th I think that's fair. I think that's definitely fair. All right. Okay, full points yeah. there. Okay, um, and then question three. 
Uh, question three was, uh, the word crap comes from Thomas Crapper, the inventor of the flush toilet. Babe. So I had no idea specifically, but just by sort of uh, deduction, um, I just wrote down that the word crap existed before Thomas Crapper, and uh, that Thomas Crapper did not, in fact, invent the flush toilet. I don't know what he did, but that, that's my guess. David. Uh, I said the etymology of crap is different, and uh, Thomas Crapper holds a patent on the plunger in the toilet bowl, not the flushing mechanism. All of it guesses. That was a confident guess. I was like, my God, this man knows what toilets. Yes. <laughs> Jesse. Um, I have, that's just wrong. Wrong in all <laughs> capitals with an exclamation mark. It is a folk etymology. The toilet was not invented by crapper, and crap as a word existed before the toilet. Uh, Bill. I wrote down three things here, so I don't know if that disqualifies me in any way for over-complicating over, over, um, things. Um, flush toilets existed before Thomas Crapper. Um, he didn't invent a flushing toilet, but he invented some mechanism involved in a certain design of flushing toilet, and the, the word crap in its scatological function predates him. And like him. I said... He didn't invent the toilet, and the word comes from something else predating it, and I believe is cognate with chaff to mean like leftover stuff. Oh. But I'd need to double check that. That's interesting. Okay, so I wasn't going to do it this way, but because uh, Lycan got that specific detail, I'm going to say that yes, uh, Specifically, crap is cognate with chaff. That is correct. Uh, everyone got that it predates Thomas Crapper, but that was this—that's the most specific detail that uh, what the actual true etymology is. Not just saying that that's not the correct etymology, um, but everyone else gets partial points for that. I think uh, you know that and you can give inspiration points, right? I can, but no one said a funny thing for that half. Oh no, no, I would totally give an inspiration point to Lycan there because he was like that was on it with that etymology. Okay, yeah, okay, everyone gets full points and Lycan gets bonus points for that. I would, now. yeah. Okay, let's do it that way then. Okay, I, I, I see what you're talking about. Um, and, the other, and the other thing was uh, that, yes, Tom, uh, Thomas Crapper did not invent the toilet. Um, however, I'm also looking for what exactly did Thomas Crapper do, which only some of you said, which was that he did, uh, he invented like some mechanisms involved as part of uh, the, the toilet, but not specifically the flushing mechanism. Was it the pull chain? Uh, what he invented, I do have this written down. Uh, he invented the U-bend uh, and something called uh, the floating ball cock, which... Oh, um, it, yeah. And, it's the big red thing. Yeah, so it actually, the, the person who actually invented the flesh toilet, uh, it, wasn't, it was first patented in uh, 1775, which was like half a century before Crapper was born, uh, by a guy named uh, Alexander Cumming. Uh, so, like, what I have written down here, like, for the full correction of this, which no one said exactly this, so I'm, I'm not going to, I don't know if I should take that away from anyone for not getting this, but uh, the full answer I was looking for was that Cumming invented the flesh toilet and Crapper invented the ballcock, which is just a completely normal sentence. Uh, <laughs> so who, who specifically said that Crapper invented, a, like, something else that's involved in a toilet, but not specifically the flesh mechanism? Bill, David. Yeah, I think Bill and David get the points for that. And I think everyone else correctly identified that uh, Crapper didn't invent the toilet. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone did that basically. So not point yeah. five for so, everyone, uh, barring yeah. barring Bill and David. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well done, everyone. And and Bill nods to using scatological. <laughs> I I would give you inspiration points for that if I were grading this. I also have written down the true etymology of the name Crapper, which I would have accepted as an alternate answer instead of giving the etymology of crap. Uh, they are they are actually unrelated words, like like genuinely. Crapper is a variant of cropper, like someone who does crops. Oh, that makes sense. Makes sense. Just just a very unfortunate coincidence uh, that ended up turning into this very very widespread false etymology. Uh, it's not my favorite false etymology on list of common misconceptions. Uh, but the other ones would be way too easy to correct. Uh, my, my favorite ones are the ones where people say random words are acronyms. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people think news is an acronym, which is so weird because the, the etymology of news is so transparent. It's just the word new with an S on the end. Uh, like it's so obvious that that's what it is. Uh, but a lot of people think it's an acronym for something. That's right. Northeast, West, South. Or some people say it stands for notable events, weather and sports. <laughs> stop the other one the other fun one is uh fornication under consent of the king uh that that one's really fun uh the other one is uh all day i dream about sports um also oh. not not anything i i i heard that acronym very differently in high school <laughs> Ooh, no, oh no courtesy of jonathan davis courtesy of corn i was about to say yeah, yeah. <laughs> family show folks whatever you think of david don't say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that is the end of Mitch's round. So at the end of this, uh, we have who's in the lead here? Uh, Lycan is in the lead with 6.5. Uh, second is David with 4.75. And then third is Bill with 4.5. David and Jesse, every single year we've done this, Bill has won the quiz. It's, it happens every year. The monotony, I think, is going to be broken. So David... Keep up the good good work there. Like and keep up the good work. We top a bill this year, folks. <laughs> no gods, no masters. <laughs> exactly. All right. So the next round is David's round. Okay. Well, don't worry. This this round is going to be much much easier for everybody. Uh, we uh, any any chance I get, I like to talk about my one true love which is music and so this is going to be a music round your one true love do you need do you need some water jess <laughs> jesse doesn't get a mention con langing doesn't get a mention onions don't get a mention oh man but now uh oh man it went back wait oh no shoot it didn't go back i, I forgot i needed to open okay yeah 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 all right all right all right i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready okay uh and i think I don't know. I think it's going to be really easy, so I think I don't even need to go further than music, but I could go further than music. But anyway, everybody everybody ready? As I'll ever be. Okay. Question one. Uh, this band scored a huge hit on their 1993 debut, Pablo Honey, that received a ton of radio play worldwide and was featured on the SFW soundtrack. Their sophomore effort in 1995 failed to live up to the hype, and so they fell off the cultural map until the 1999 album. Uh, their 1999 album made them a permanent fixture in the discussion of greatest bands of all time. That album artwork features, among other things, some words and phrases in Esperanto, including Inyectilo, Simbolo, 
Danjera and Naibarajo, though the latter is missing a crucial diacritic. Name that band. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say name that diacritic. <laughs> <laughs> I already feel like I have failed you. We talk about music so much. Jesse, I mean, I'm I'm a classically trained guitarist, and I don't have a notion what 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 David just said there. None of that. <laughs> such a dis- <laughs> I'm at such a disadvantage here because I don't remember the '90s. Edgar, I feel I failed you as a housemate. If you if you, if you can't get this, I, I, I'm assuming you you can get it, Bill. Bill is also a musician, uh, folks. I'm very confident. Okay. I might be con- con- confusing it with another band, but I'm like. Very, very confident that I have it right. Yeah, I, I have no idea. If it happened right. before 1800s, I mean, I gotta do a joke answer. <laughs> of course. Are you ready for question two? Yep. All right. Uh, Jesse and I have been working on the most recent Dune film franchise, the first theatrical release since David Lynch's 1984 film. That film, though, was not the first attempt to bring Frank Herbert's Dune to theaters. In the 70s, filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky attempted to fund filming his vision of Dune. The legendary tales surrounding its filming include hiring Salvador Dali for $1 million a day, having both Pink Floyd and French conlang band Magma provide the soundtrack, and hiring the lead singer of this legendary rock and roll band to act, not sing. Lycan, Lycan over here is just like having a small happy dance to himself. Do you want to tell us what's going on, Lycan? I think I know the answer, which uh, I wasn't confident with on the first one. And I will be delighted and embarrassed if it turns out that I'm entirely wrong. And remember for that when we're looking for the band, though, if you name the lead singer as well. Yeah, maybe. For, for question two, okay. For question two, yeah. Both the answers for question one and two are a band. In fact, the answer to all three of these are a band. Ready for question three, everybody? Don't know if this is going to be anachronistic or not. Was not alive. All right. So question three. Music is my favorite thing in life. (laughs) (laughs) And I've always wanted to work with a band to do lyrics in a conlang. As it happens, the lead singer of my favorite modern rock band, wrote a song that features lyrics in High Valyrian, lyrics I translated myself for Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, I had nothing to do with the lyrics getting there, wasn't aware of my translations being used in the song, and wasn't credited for my translation work, although Game of Thrones creators Dan Weiss and David Benioff both received songwriting credits on the track. The song is Pray, written and performed by Matt Bellamy, the lead singer of this band. That one I would have got. That is shocking, David. That they, <laughs> Not if you I'm, know conlanging in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm frustrated on your behalf for that one. That is, oh. Yeah, man. We're about to find out how little I know David. <laughs> and I feel bad for not knowing you. any of any of these th- any of these music things. I was like, oh, oh, this is going to be an easy one? Great. Oh, no. <laughs> this one, though, I think is, like, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but this feels like the easiest of the lot of them, particularly because of the person you mentioned. Um, but that just could be my bias and who I listen to. But, like, that Matt Bellamy bloke, uh, assuming I'm thinking the right guy, he, he's a 
big big name with a very famous worldwide band that most people would know i think i i would have to say that these three bands are among three of the biggest bands either that or they're modern so i want to also though before i get around to giving my answers want to say something in my credit david uses the word favorite very loosely and we have been working through listening to a list of his favorite albums and we have listened to over 55 of them and we are not even halfway through the list so favorite can mean a lot of things to david so when i don't get number three right it is not my fault that's all i want to say Oh, Jess, you are my favorite. <laughs> Drop the list. Drop okay. the list. All are we 55. ready? Five. <laughs> yes. Ready. Oh, oh, that's true. Oh, boy. All right. So uh, ready for me to go through, read the questions again, and give the answers. Okay. So uh, this one, I mean, I, I uh, by the way, the thing that would, made this, that would have made this easier, all of these are British bands. Well, I got that wrong, then. Every single one. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so this one, I mean, I mean, the, the first line just gives it away. Uh, if you know the band, you know this. This band scored a huge hit on their 1993 debut, Pablo Honey, that received a ton of radio play worldwide and was featured on the SFW soundtrack. Their sophomore effort in 1995 failed to live up to the hype, and so they fell off the cultural map until their 1999 album made, they, made them a permanent fixture in the discussion of greatest bands of all time. That album artwork features, among other things, some words and phrases in Esperanto, including Inyectilo, Simbolo, Dangera, and Naibarajo, though the latter is missing a crucial diacritic. Name that band, Bibleridian. So I was I was led to believe that this was going to be an easy round. Um, <laughs> I, I feel cheated and lied to. Um, but this is partially because that this is just a... a Music is one of those things that's just never made any sense to me. And uh, I could list the number of bands I know on one hand. So, uh, yeah, for the, it was basically just an exercise of trying to think of the names of bands and just use those. So for number one, I said The Beatles. Okay. Um, Mitch. Uh, yeah, that was Lou Vega. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesse. I, I just said Radiohead. So we had recently talked a lot about how Radiohead made a major comeback, but like I think it's all wrong okay. because I don't think that was their album. But go on, Bill. I said Radiohead. Oh, oh, Lichen. I said Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, that uh, that is a band I have seen live, but indeed. Bill and Jesse were right. It is Radiohead. Wait, they're British? <laughs> oh, very much so. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I did not know that. Yeah, so that uh, 1999 <gasps> album was OK Computer. And indeed, there's Esperanto in the liner notes that they've written in there for cryptic huh. reasons. But um, in, uh, indeed, the missing diuretic, diacritic, there is no chapello above the J in Naibarajo, uh, which there should be. And uh, their 1993 album, Pablo Honey, featured the hit Creep. That, 
see, oh. I couldn't think of the album, but I knew the song. Yeah. But then I thought it was all wrong, so I also didn't know the Esperanto connection. Yeah. Wow. Pablo Honey is also, it's one of those, I don't know, it's kind of a shibboleth but or, or, or an in-joke amongst Radiohead fans to say like, oh yeah, my favorite album is Pablo Honey, I don't listen to anything after that, as it's, you know, easily their worst album. All right, so... Uh, I got a point. So for scores, uh, Jesse and Bill get one. Bibleridian, you should have listed that diacritic, I would have given you something for that. <laughs> okay, so second... Jesse and I have been working on the most recent Dune film franchise, the first theatrical release since David Lynch's 1984 film. That film, though, was not the first attempt to bring Frank Herbert's Dune to theaters. In the 1970s, filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky attempted to fund filming his vision of Dune. The legendary tales surrounding its filming include hiring Salvador Dali for $1 million a day, having both Pink Floyd and French conlang band Magma provide the soundtrack, and hiring the lead singer of this legendary rock and roll band to act, not sing, Bibleridian. This is one that I feel like I should at least be familiar with, but I'm not, so I just said Queen. Because I know they were involved in, in Highlander. So, Dune, why not? They were, yeah. Mitch? This was actually Lou Vega was in this movie. <laughs> Lou Vega's all around. What's funny is as you were reading the question, I was so proud of myself because I was like, Pink Floyd, I answered before you finished reading the question because I was like, I remembered Pink Floyd was supposed to be involved with the soundtrack. Oh. And then you got to the actual question and I went, oh, crap. Um, so I put the doors. Oh. Bill. The Rolling Stones. Oh, that would be a better answer. Thank you. That, w- that was a guess, but it seems like the kind of thing that Jagger would have been into in the, the 70s. Oh, yeah. And Lycan? I said the police. Oh. Oh, that would have been good. And of course, uh, as we know, Sting of the police was one of three actors that was considered to play Jareth on Labyrinth. Uh, the other two, of course, being Michael Jackson and the one who would go on to play the Goblin King, David Bowie. But indeed, the correct answer is the Rolling Stones. Well, well, well. So much for my victory dance. <laughs> I wrote down Rolling Stones and changed it to Lou Bega because I thought it was wrong and went with a different, funnier answer. No. <laughs> no. You changed the answer. No vaccines. I know. No vaccines. No one's going to believe me about this. <laughs> that is the the, the knowest of backseats to that. I, I do believe you. I just, I just need to say it so that it's out there that that happened. As Jagger once said, you can't always get what you want. Jagger said that, right? <laughs> yes. I do know that much. Oh. Goodness oh, gracious, Mitch great. can get no satisfaction. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, no. What what have we started? What have we started? All right. Last one. Last question. Music is my favorite thing in life, and I've always wanted to work with a band to do lyrics in a conlang. As it happens, the lead singer of my favorite modern rock band wrote a song that features lyrics in High Valyrian, lyrics I translated myself for Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, I had nothing to do with the lyrics getting there, wasn't aware of my translation being used in the song, and wasn't credited for my translation work, although Game of Thrones creators Dan Weiss and David Benioff both received songwriting credits on the track. The song is Prey, written and performed by Matt Bellamy, the lead singer of this band. 
Bibleridian. Um, I really, I got nothing for this one. I put in parentheses something to do with ramen jawadi, um, and then underneath that I put <laughs> fish don't cry, um, which is the name of the joke <laughs> band that I have in my D and D group. So, <laughs> good. <Nice. laughs> Mitch. Uh, believe it or not, this was actually Lou Bega. It wasn't for the other ones, but this one it actually was. <laughs> Jesse? So I started with flaming lips question mark, but then I went Matt Bellamy? What? And and so then I, I ended with Mazzy Star question mark because you have long claimed that Mazzy Star is your favorite. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Bill. Um so when you said uh, you you would like to work in a, in a band con langing I immediately wrote down Sigur Ross and then the next like three words you said I was like oh well that's clearly not correct and I had no idea until you gave us the singer's name um, so I wrote down Muse oh I had Muse down as one of my question marks and deleted it oh, oh man man uh, Lichen I wrote down Kings of Leon and crossed it out and then wrote Muse. <laughs> Indeed, it was Muse. Muse is one of those bands where I feel like the band was created just for me personally. Uh, and I really, really enjoy their work, though their last album has a couple of... Uh, anyway. Uh, so yeah, there you are. British rock bands. And it's like... Radiohead, Rolling Stones, Muse. I mean, it's pretty big. <laughs> never heard of them. <laughs> that that oh, I've never heard of Muse. Like I I don't follow that that type of rock. Um, but Muse is just ubiquitous. Like it's massive. They were huge when I first got into playing guitar when I was mm. like fourteen, fifteen. They were absolutely like stratospherically big. It was mental. Um, one of the best live bands I've I've ever seen. Like just incredible stage show yeah i've gotten to see them twice uh, mm. and especially the first time i saw them mm, just extraordinary oh I, I i got getting to see them perform hysteria is one of my it's one of my top 10 music moments i'm not allowing you to use the word favorite anymore <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you do i'm gonna eh. oh you are tops jesse so at the end of that round, we have a uh, join for the lead with Bill and Lycan on 7.5. And then we have Jesse on 5.25. Um, yeah. So our next round is Jesse's round. All right. Question number one. Oh, no, t tell us what your round's about. Like, do a little spiel. Baking. Baking. Sorry. We're talking about baking today. Cool. And my questions, like David, have an answer or don't. So, like, it's there's no partial points here. Uh, <laughs> the first one is, in fact, multiple choice. All right. So, you have many options for replacing eggs in almost any cake recipe. But which of the following ingredients is not typically recommended as an egg replacer in cake recipes. A, banana. B, applesauce. C, milk. D, yogurt. 
Three of these can be used as egg replacers. One should not be. <laughs> Easy. Come on. Can you, can you listen again, Seriously? please? Yes. Yes. Um, so again, which of the following ingredients is not typically recommended as an egg replacer in cake recipes? A. Banana. B. Applesauce. C. Milk. D. Yogurt. I am shocked that three of those can replace eggs. Uh-huh. 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 Everything is just magic. So, <laughs> fun, fun fact, I was vegan for about 12 years, so I know these very well. <laughs> wow. What made you go non-vegan, if you mind me asking? Uh, COVID and having to cook three meals a day for two non-vegans in a house. Mm. Plus me. <laughs> That'll do it. I've always, I've always wanted to go vegan, but the uh, milk separation anxiety is a serious thing for me because as a true <laughs> Irish man, I drink like builder's tea we called over here. So like black tea with lots and lots of milk. And I couldn't Thanks. give that up. I just could not <laughs> give that. I've tried like oat milk and the, all the substitutes. It's just not, it's just not the right thing. Wow. I just can't do it. So I, I have a question about, about uh, black tea with lots of milk. Mm. Uh, I, I'm American and know nothing about tea. Uh, doesn't adding a lot of milk to some to a black drink make it no longer black? Like, isn't that what it being black means? Yeah, but I mean, the tea variety is black. Like, it's a, it's okay. a black tea. It's, as, it, the, as opposed to, like, peppermint tea or yeah. chamomile tea or something. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's nothing to do with the final color of the thing. Um, and okay, you do need to, you do need to specify it though because I I think adding milk to a black tea is perfectly fine, but if you add milk to a peppermint tea, that's an abomination, and that practice needs to be stopped. Probably better than adding charcoal to a white tea. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready for question two? Yep. All right. Some baking recipes call for buttermilk instead of milk. What? Other common ingredient is activated by buttermilk that helps baked goods rise. So what gets activated by the buttermilk to make something to make the baked good rise? Sorry, something that's activated by buttermilk but not by regular milk? Right. This is a science question. This has nothing to do with baking. I know, baking. I did, because I knew we'd have scientists. And I was like, maybe they'll get this just based... You know, baking is science. Wasn't baking is science. And all that. Oh, yeah. God, but then it's one thing to see it and appreciate it and clap for it but and to eat the results, but to know it? Yes. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> maybe question three will be more... All right, is everyone ready for question three? Yep. Excellent. One yes means you're all ready. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond flour and other basic baking ingredients, what key ingredient is typically a prominent feature of these three different cookies? Thumbprint cookie, kolache, and pizzicati, which is also called an Italian pinch cookie. What are the ingredients we're excluding? All flour and basic baking ingredients. So anything that would go into a okay. basic cookie, this is not included. Okay. 
Something stands out about the thumbprint cookie, kolache, and pizzicati, which is also called the Italian pinch cookie. Huh. What the French toast? I love you too, Mr. Music. (laughs) Muse, it's right in the word music. (laughs) That last one is difficult. Are these like extremely common cookies in the States or something? Because I've never heard of any of those. No, I I have never heard of any of these cookies. Yeah. They are all three associated with the holiday cookie giveaways uh, that a lot of people do for large cookie exchanges at Christmas time. I've heard of two of them. And I, I, um, because one of them, the Kalachki, yeah. Kalachi. Yeah, that's the one. And all of these actually originated in Europe. None of them originated in the U.S., so they were brought by immigrants to the U.S. Um, right. And became associated with the holidays. I've definitely had kolache before, but I can't remember anything about it. Bonus points if you can list the three places in Europe that they were brought from. Oh, one of them, on. One of them you should get by the alternate name. Hang on a second. List the three again. There was... Thumbprint cookie, kolache, and pizzicati. Yeah, pizzicati should be pretty easy. Yes. Thumb, thumbprint, though. I mean... Everyone has thumbprints. That could be anywhere. Yeah. It has a different name and it's original, but it does not get called that very much, whereas pizzicati got brought over. And is the bonus point only if you get all three of them, or are, are you dividing that up into one-third of a bonus point for each part? I'm going to... No, I'm going to see what, what happens and then decide. Okay. <laughs> Jesse's okay. going on straight vibes. <laughs> Because it's bonus points, which means it's in the world of whatever I want. Correct. That's true. <laughs> Correct. Welcome to the chaos of this quiz. So this year has actually been quite civil with regards to bonus points and inspiration points. Some years, man, it's got, we've got, we, we, we had a super position of points last year, like a literal, like this. quantum mechanic super position of points. Oh, <laughs> the com- yeah, the complex playing gets cracked out. <laughs> I am, okay. I am ready to receive my punishment. That is the answers for this round. <laughs> All right, Jesse, fire away. Excellent. So question one, you have many options for replacing eggs in almost any cake recipe, but which of the following ingredients is not typically recommended as an egg replacer in cake recipes? Bib. Um, I said yogurt because yogurt should not be used as an ingredient in anything. Um <laughs> Especially, I mean, even the name, it, it's the only food name in English uh, that is named after the sound you make when you ingest it. So, yeah, that, that's my answer. But yogurt's great. Don't yogurt isn't bad. But, I mean, the original Turkish is yoğurt because it's the G with the, the thing on it. And now it's yoğurt. Yoğurt, right? Mm-hmm. But yogurt is just such an unpleasant word. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I think I was referring to the substance more than anything else. I mean, the substance is equally repulsive. It's a, it's a, it's a repulsive name for a repulsive substance. So, <laughs> I love yogurt. It's hot, it's hot yogurt takes. Oh, All not right. hot yogurt. No, hot yogurt. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Mitch, what you got? So I did actually recognize some of these as actual egg replacements. Uh, the one the one I guessed was milk, because like recipes often call for milk anyway, and if you can just replace eggs with more milk, that would be so wild. Why would that be the way it works? David. 
Uh, honestly, by the same logic, uh, it would be. It, I, I think it would. You'd see a lot of recipes that'd be like, okay, you need to add two eggs and a cup of milk, or just three cups of milk. Uh, <laughs> your choice doesn't matter. Uh, also, I was thinking often reason why you would replace eggs or for those who have a dairy allergy it'd be very strange to replace them with milk which is an even more common allergy so i said milk uh bill yeah i i was thinking along those lines similarly but i went a different direction and i said applesauce on the basis that eggs are kind of protein heavy um and maybe that was the the thing that was was a required to be a replacement and i figured applesauce was the least proteinous out of the four options Mm. so applesauce is what i said like it i had many thoughts about this (laughs) so we can examine this from several angles the first angle was structure consistency and it strikes me that yogurt's a bit more clingy than milk as is applesauce as is mushed up bananas so I was thinking, okay, milk could be a possible answer. But then I was thinking, wait a minute, what about the sugar content of these respective items? Well, milk's got sugar, bananas have an apple does, mm-hmm. but yogurt doesn't really because the bacteria tend to have eaten it all up. But then I was thinking, mm-hmm. what about acidity levels? Milk and bananas and yogurt are quite um, alkaline compared to applesauce. So maybe that's the way around. And then I just circled back and went to my original answer, milk again. So I thought, yeah, it's probably milk. Oh my God, I love this so much. Um... So first and foremost, there is a reason I worded the question as cake recipe because the egg replacers you use in different baking recipes does differ because the egg does different things Mm. in a different kind of recipe. And so like in your your reasoning of thinking that they're more bindy is in fact why you have eggs in a cake recipe in most cake recipes. There are cake recipes where you need to use like six to eight eggs. And at that point, it's just recommended you don't bake it if you don't use eggs because it's like Mm -hmm. you can't replace that many eggs. But if it needs one or two, you can replace them. Um, And the correct answer is indeed milk. Yay. I'm Mm. on the board. Nice. I'd like to think of milk as the uh, radio head of egg replacements. (laughs) This is the one answer that I'm going to get right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bib, what did you get for that? Well, I maintain that yogurt should still not be recommended yogurt. for yeah. a... <laughs> there we go. Excellent. Okay, question two. Wait, Bill, what did you say? I said applesauce. That was oh, my apples. answer. Oh. Yeah. Dead right. Oh, Sorry. yeah, yeah. I don't get a point for that. Zero points. Yeah, do keep an oh. eye on me here. This whole thing is rigged. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fix. But, but Bibleridian, you know you're my favorite person in this quiz. Oh, thank you. Are we using the DJP version of yes. the word favorite? Which dialect are we using? Which, which specific idiolect? Goodness. Has favorite undergone its Goodness semantic bleaching in the, in the Petersonian dialect? <laughs> I'll favorite you. <laughs> All right. So number two, the question was, some baking recipes call for buttermilk instead of milk. What other common ingredient is activated by buttermilk that helps baked goods rise? Bib. I was racking my brain to try and think of anything other than yeast. I don't think it is yeast, but I genuinely could not think of any... My second answer was E. coli. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to have to go with yeast. 
<laughs> I don't know, something to do with the black operon. Maybe the the milk like stimulates the. I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> Mitch. Yeah, same same thought process. I was like, well, yeast is the thing that makes the foods rise, but it can't be that because then it wouldn't be a question. Uh, I was so I, I went with baking soda was my was my answer. David. Um, I um. I have, uh, I actually use 110% of my brain, so I have an extra ability, which allows me to go uh, kind of telepresence type of thing. And so I looked at Bibleradian's screen and I stole his answer, yeast, because that's a thing I've heard of. That was really it. Uh, Bill. Okay. Um, I also said yeast uh, based on uh, cooking I've done, baking I've done. It was the best guess I had. Like him. Again, I had uh, two different approaches to this answer. I was thinking, is it going to be yeast? Because that's really what most of the rising does. But then Jesse made a comment about chemistry, and I thought, mm, baking soda, maybe buttermilk's quite acidic, and therefore helps liberate the carbon dioxide from the baking soda better. And then I did the same thing as the previous question, and just went with my first answer, which was yeast. And you really should have gone with your second because <gasps> baking soda. No. Yay. <laughs> is it because the buttermilk's more acidic? It is indeed. So you can actually make your own oh. buttermilk by mm. taking milk and adding vinegar to it and stirring it up and it turns into oh. buttermilk. Oh, wow. Try, try this at home, kids. I never buy buttermilk. I make it myself that exact way. Um, yes. I also I also have gotten into, of late, trying to make my own cheeses, uh, which... It's a fairly similar process. A bit of acid into milk, make some yes. cheese. Oh yeah, because yeah. we did that for for a podcast, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we we we, we recreated some like Mesopotamian dishes, and they they called for making your own cheeses, so we did, we went off and did that. But yeah, homemade buttermilk. Literally, no need to ever buy it in in the shop. Just you just vinegar and milk. Yep. that's it. No. Yep. It depending on what recipe you you need it for, how acidic you need it. In case you're wondering at home a cup of milk to a teaspoon of of vinegar, apple cider vinegar or regular vinegar will do it for most. If you need it to be more acidic than a tablespoon per cup and you've got you've got buttermilk. And and yeah, it's baking soda. I would have accepted baking powder too because they they right. definitely are. Oh my god, now you're telling me there's no difference between baking soda and baking powder? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Just wait till you hear about bicarbonate of soda. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god okay so yeah that was number two number three was beyond flour and other basing baking ingredients what key ingredient is typically a prominent feature of these three different cookies thumbprint cookie kolache and pizzicati bib again i i really feel like i should know this but i don't so i for the ingredient i said ginger just because I don't know. That's just what occurred to me. And then guessing the the places that they're from, um, thumbprint. Oh, yes. Um, just because the name is in English, I just said Britain. Um, for kolache, I I swear I've had kolache before at some point, but I have no memory of where I was or what I was doing or what it even was. But for some reason, um, I, I I'm drawn to to Eastern Europe. I can't say why. So I put Poland. And then for the last one, I said Italian. Mitch. Yeah, so I was just thinking through what it, what are ingredients that can be like a key ingredient in a cookie. 
that aren't your standard cookie ingredients. Uh, I just went with nuts. Not going to specify. Just nuts. Uh, and I didn't guess all three of them, but I did say that the third one was Italian. Cool. David. Uh, yeah, so I uh, went with one of the world's deadliest ingredients, molasses. Uh, moment of silence for those that drowned in the terrible <laughs> molasses flood of 19, what was it, 23? Too soon. Um, <laughs> and my, my three countries I went with were Italy, Poland, and Greece. In, in no order? No. What's the order? Okay. Just no, there was no order. I, um... <laughs> I, I didn't think that we had to order them, so I just and when I and when I wrote them down, I wrote them with capital letters at the front as is proper. <laughs> so for Thank for the you. listeners, for listeners, you you may not see this, but I'm I'm writing out the answers as they've been given, and David is uh, he's a uh, he's cracking the whip hard. That's right, <laughs> Bill. Um, I said almonds. Almonds, okay. I don't know whether that counts as like a typical baking ingredient, but um. I'm going to hope it doesn't. And for the three countries, uh, Thumbprint, Kalachi, Pizzicati, I said respectively, Sweden, Poland, and Italy. Okay, and Lycan. I think the extra ingredient had to be something that isn't small and bitty like nuts because it was mentioned that Pizzicati means pinched because you pinch the dough or something. And if it was made of lots of small bits, mm. it would just disperse. Um, and then I remembered I've got an Italian friend who's actually made and cooked it for me. So I think the ingredient is jam. Oh. Um, did you have any stab at the countries? I did. I thought Thumbprint was from the Netherlands. Kalachi, not sure how that's spelled, but I guess Portugal. And Pizzicati, given my friend is from Italy, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Italy. Okay, Jesse, over to you. All right, so... Um, lichen was correct. It is jam. Nice. That is what fills the thumbprint of the cookie. Is molasses a type of jam? <laughs> no, it's not a type of jam because it's not made from a crushed fruit that you add sugar to. Molasses is a byproduct of sugar refinery. That is in fact true. Unbelievable. <clears throat> Keep talking. You'll get negative points. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so yes jam is what is associated with all three um and their origins yeah so it is indeed um is bill got these right on sweden poland italy in that order and the name and i looked it up because i wanted to make sure i was saying the name halengrota is the thumbprint cookie in swedish um but we never really call it that here it's just called the thumbprint cookie um and yeah kalachi was brought over from poland and then, of course, pizzicati, if you're a strings player, pizzicato comes from the same source. Um, this is the plural right. form of it, and it's literally just pinching, which is why they're called the Italian pinch cookie. How are you dispersing these inspiration points? Are you giving just a solid one to Bill, or are we doing partial ones for partial correct for the others? I'm going to do a solid point to Bill. Mm-hmm. And then um, Go on, David's going to get... To round, I'm going to give David a, a half point instead of, two, you know. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Because yeah. of the, the rounding. And then I'll give a quarter point. You know what? Like, I feel like a tenth of a point for the Italian answers just because it was the Italian pinch <laughs> cookie. 
<laughs> so I'm going to say point one for everybody who listened to the alternate name. That is brutal. <laughs> I, I think it's more cruel to give a tenth of a point than to give nothing, which I fully support, by the way. <laughs> more cruelty. I never said I was nice. <laughs> are we are we going to give uh, Bib half a point because he got Poland and Italy? Yeah. Yeah, for getting two. Oh, did Bib get? Yeah, he got Poland. Yes, yeah, yeah. So half a point to Bib. I can't believe I got that right. <laughs> okay, Brill. So at the end of that most delicious of rounds, uh, <laughs> we have in the lead, we have Lycan. Oh, Bill is actually getting toppled here. This is amazing. Uh, second place is Bill. And then in third place, we have, yeah, we have David. And our next round is Bill's. Let's go. So this round is all about mottos. Uh, I'm going to give you three mottos, which are or have been the mottos of organizations. So not not individuals and not nothing fictional. These are all real world mottos of real life organizations uh, or entities of some sort. And I am presenting them in their original languages. I'm not presenting translated mottos. So, and I'm going to put them in the, I'm going to type them in chat as well. So let's get straight into it. The first one, the first motto that I am giving you is don't be evil. Did you say that these are specifically from organizations? Yeah. Uh, broad, in a broad sense, they are not individual people's mottos. They are from groups of our entities, multiple people. Undertakings of some kind. Question two. If we are all ready for question two. No. <laughs> I'm gonna need a couple I'm need more about seconds. 20, 24 hours. <laughs> all right. So the second motto: live free or die. Look at my answers. Uh, Don't you cheat. Will I go with the third and final mm -hmm. one? Mm -hmm. Do it. Okay. So, um, the third one is, in my defense, God me defend. Now, I've put that in chat there because I think the spelling of this may be of interest or may be uh, relevant or a bit of a clue. I could give further context if, if there's a request for that, if people want me to, to go into that a little bit more. Uh, but in my defense, God me defend. Defense is spelt D-E-F-E-N-S. If you're offering, I could totally use some additional context. <laughs> uh, well, if there's, if there's more people... Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so I said at the start of the round, I am presenting these in their original languages. I have not translated them. This one is not, probably not actually in English, strictly speaking. Oh, then my answer is probably not right. <laughs> I'm so confident about the first one, and now these, these other two, I'm just, well. That's a stinker of one build, to be fair. <laughs> it is. That's why I think the, the, the clue might be, might be helpful. It's a tough David, look, David looks very confused. 
Uh, it's not confusion you should be getting from me. It's white hot anger. Fury. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I have made an enemy. <laughs> A powerful one. <laughs> I feel like if this round was identify the languages, I would be doing great. <laughs> Okay, are we good? Yep. All right, answers. So, uh, don't be evil. Uh, yeah. Bib. I had no idea. Um, I just wrote the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's straightforward. It's it's to the point. Mitch. Uh, uh, this used to be Google's slogan. Uh, they're, not their slogan, their motto. Uh, they've stopped using it. Uh, because they're fine with being evil now, uh, but formerly Google had this as their motto. David, indeed, it it is Google, and I am disappointed, but not surprised to hear that they're not using that anymore. Yeah, um, Jesse. When Google let go of this motto, which Google was not my answer, another group adopted it as their motto, and that would be Langtime Studio. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by fiat. I can't override her. It's true. <laughs> Links in the description. <laughs> like it. I put down Kellogg's cereal. And the reason mm. for this is because Mr. Kellogg was a renowned hardcore Puritan. Yes. That's why he invented cornflakes to be as plain as possible, because he believed if you ate a breakfast of maybe spiced porridge or sausages, it would get your blood flowing as a young man, which would cause you to masturbate. And so he invented the plainest breakfast possible to stop yeah. people wanking. Yeah, and because, you know, he's very puritanical, I thought Don't Be Evil would like fit in very well with that, but we seem to have a lot of confident answers of Google. That is so close to being a truth. Uh, uh, and I don't know if you knew this already, but the graham cracker was invented by a guy who was trying to create some sort of food that would be as bland and flavorless as possible so that people could focus on, you know, prayer and piety. And he just, he failed remarkably because everybody just <clears throat> loved these graham crackers and they're named after him. And put s'mores together. Mm. Um, but no, I just needed to update my list of favorite people. Bibliridian is, of course, still at the top. He will not be removed, but Lycan is now number two. Oh, Jesus. Did Graham, inventor of the Graham Cracker, I genuinely thought his name was Graham Cracker, but now I realize that's probably quite stupid. Um, did the inventor of the Graham Cracker have to do that because the Americans weren't historically very Catholic and so they couldn't fall back on the wafer, which is renowned <laughs> for being very plain? I almost spit out my coffee. <laughs> yeah, I know you you really you got her there. That was a good one. But um it was one of those it was one of those 19th early 20th century, you know, religious revival cults. Um great awakening. That, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh and, and it was just one of those and uh, and the the thing that came out of that was the graham cracker. There was another there was another like famous company that came out of one of those religious cults where it's now just a, a regular thing. Uh, it's just a bread company. Um, it's, uh, Kellogg's, wasn't it? Kellogg's, Kellogg's was an American, wasn't he? 
Yeah, but this one was like it was a weird uh, like religio anarch anarchy sexual cult type of thing, and now they just make bread. Um, <laughs> oh yes, Reverend Sylvester Graham, uh, who was convinced that sexual urges, including masturbation, were making people physically ill and leading to depravity. This is why I thought that you got this from this. Like, were you referencing the Graham Cracker directly, Lycan? I, th- I think the Kellogg thing is also true, though. Yeah, like, it I think is. these are t- two separate guys who just have a very similar uh, thing that they did. It can clearly be added to Wikipedia's list of common misconceptions that flavorful food makes you masturbate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's at least two guys who believe it. Hmm. Sample size of two. So, uh, answers. Bill. <laughs> the correct answer is inf- indeed Google. It was the former, um, the former motto of Google until they uh, restructured in, I think, 2015. And they dropped Don't Be Evil as their motto, which is just so much worse. <laughs> so much worse. It is. Um, they're not having it in the first place. Uh, okay, the second question. Live free or die? Bip. I am very ashamed that I don't actually know this one, considering how often I hear it. Um, I just put down the Pirate Republic, just as a complete guess. Mitch. This is uh, the GNU Public License. The what? The what? Uh, the oh. GNU Public License. This is their, their motto. What? As in GNU is in like that open source software stuff? Yep. Believe it or not. Oh, okay. David. So I, I find it now extraordinary that apparently um, the Die Hard franchise was referencing the new public license um but no i had nothing for this so i just said the uh libertarian party and jesse new hampshire but spelled gnu regular new and i think it was patrick henry who said it no really he created the new software (laughs) i like it there's to stop people from masturbating (laughs) (laughs) spending too much time coding um i didn't know so i wrote down a u.s state all right bill i am going to award a half point to lichen because it is indeed the state of new hampshire so a full point to jesse Yep. That's such a I, weird I motto for a up. state. Wow. You GNU it? <laughs> Jesse, how did you know? It, history class. I, I need to go back to my history teacher and say thank you, I guess. You studied state mottos in history class? It was a famous thing where, like, as they were founding the 13 colonies, and, like, this dude, I think it was Patrick Henry, was all, like, live free or die, and it was part of the founding of our country. So, yes, I, I studied it. I guess in I guess in rural Missouri we learn more about history than Southern California. Eureka! Anyone who's uh, a big fan of uh, Breaking Bad might recognize it as the name, the title of the first season of episode of season five. The first episode of season five is "Live Free or Die" because Walter is in hiding in New Hampshire. Like, and I find it mad that you're asking Jesse why why she knows this. Like, you're an Englishman. Why would you know about mottos of states? Like, it makes sense for it's Jesse, true. but not for you. Yeah, but you <laughs> get it in the ballpark. I, I didn't imagine that the U.S. education system involved learning the mottos of each of the states. It was just like where they are and what their capital is. 
I had my entire <laughs> elementary, middle, and high school education in the U.S. and never once did we cover state mottos. Mm-hmm. Although I do, I do happen to know what the uh, the state motto of Texas is. Simply the word friendship. Oh, it's quite nice. Ah, is this? Ah, is this? Mm-hmm. They they do emphasize that they are more friendly um, in Texas, and then of course Tennessee is the volunteer state, obviously. But that's 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 a that's not a motto. That's the type of it's state, state it is. So California is the golden state, but our motto is Eureka. Yes, but I do believe that New Hampshire's nickname is tied in with the live free or die. Are they the live free or die state? Well, Missouri's a show me state. Why not? Forgive my I mean, cynicism, please. but um, states choose their own mottos, right? And wouldn't you be a bit suspicious of someone who came up to you and said, "Hi, I'm really friendly." Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. As and I got be, two six shooters that'll tell you so. You are suspicious when anyone in Texas, uh, you know, comes up to you for any reason. <laughs> I have question three. Question three. In my defense. God me defend. Defense spelled D-E-F-E-N-S. Bib. Again, no idea. I couldn't even... The only thing that occurred to me was that it, it maybe isn't, like, a Scots lead or something. But I couldn't think of any group or organization or anything that might have that as, in, as a slogan or motto or anything. So I'm just going to have to get a, a splendid shining zero for that question. Oh, Mitch. Boy, same answer. Identified, yep, I think the language is Scots here. Uh, and I'm not going to guess anything that is in Scotland because I can't think of anything that would have this as their motto. David. The Anglican Church. I have no idea. <laughs> Church. All right, Jesse. I started with writing Parliament, <laughs> and then and then I was told very several times that it's not actually English, so I added of Frisian. Parliament of <laughs> the Parliament of Frisian, isn't it? Yeah, because Frisian is Frisian the closest language. language to English that's spoken today. Exactly, apart from oh. Scots. <laughs> I, I totally forgot about that one. It also depends how you count creoles and stuff. Mm. That's what I was thinking. Lichen. I thought it was Scots, and then I'm thinking, okay, defense, defend, maybe something in the judiciary or the legal system, perhaps something military. So I've gone with the Highland Brigadiers. That's almost definitely spelt wrong, but that's fine. That's um, a really cute spelling. Well, yeah. So Parliament. <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh, Frisian um, parliament as an, as an automatic yeah. X. No point. Okay, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Change it. Um, what was Close. I going to say next? The answer, uh, in my defense, God me defend, is the motto of the coat of arms of the United Kingdom in Scotland. So big fat zeros all around. So uh, no, I'm 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 going to give halves to to anyone who said who who brought up Scots. Oh Ooh. damn! So uh, so the the motto of the United Kingdom is "Diu em Android in uh, two and six thirty seconds of the of of the United Kingdom, um, and then in Scotland 
it's uh, this. It's it's this because it was historically the motto of the Kingdom of Scotland. So I guess just saying Scots was the correct answer in a sense. <laughs> it it's I'll give a half point for 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 identifying that it was Scots. Yeah. You have robbed me okay. of my splendid shining zero. <laughs> so that, yeah, because that was tough. Like. I think everybody gets a half point. I think me. I was about and to me, ask. I didn't mention Scots. I said Friesian. Yeah. Okay, so up at five. David, it's zero, I believe. Jesse, zero. And then Lycan. You're at 0.5, aren't you, Lycan? The yeah. Petersons are obviously not very Scottish. Mm. <laughs> okay, um, so. Oh, did I call out the scores at the end of last round? I don't believe I did. You um, did. Well, you I said did. it was in first, second, and third, but you didn't say what the scores were. Excellent, yeah. In first place, we have Lycan with 10.6 points. In second place, we have Bill with 8.5 points. And in third place, we have David with 7.25 points. Um, and thus and concludes our else. penultimate round. And then everyone else, yeah. We will do the full scores at the end of the whole shebang, um, just to save a bit of time. Um, thus concludes the penultimate round. So we're on to our final round. And that is Lycan's round. Right. My round concerns symbiosis. Question one. What is the name given to a class of symbiotic organisms that have many different body shapes, including squamulose, bisoid, crustose, Lepros and filamentous. Can can you read that one? Can you read that one more time? This time, read it in English. Yeah, we'll do. Um, and also, if I detect a sort of ambient level of misery, I have a hint for each question as well. Okay. What is the name given to a class of symbiotic organisms that have many different body shapes, including squamulose, bisoid, crustose, lepros? And filamentous. If anyone, if if we're thinking of a hint, raise a hand. And if there are more than half, okay. Now is instant. Uh, so, so, sorry to cut across for viewers at home. We're seeing each other on Zoom. Everyone's hand went up instantly, but the only person who looked mildly happy was Bib. This is my big <laughs> chance to actually get some points back. Yeah. So the hint. The hint is, think about YouTubers. What? That's, that makes it even more difficult for me. Okay, can we, can we hear the uh, shapes again? Yeah, the shapes are squamulose, bisoid, crustose, lepros, and filamentous. Which sounds a bit like a spell from Harry Potter. Great, question number two. Hold on. Ready now? The answer is wrong, but I'm ready. Okay. What two symbionts remind Nemo of home? What two symbionts remind Nemo of home? I'll let you guys sit with that for a few seconds, and then I'll ask if you want a hint. Right. Anyone for a hint? Please raise your hand. Sure. <laughs> we have three of six, so I'll give the hint, which is 
a hard-to-say word, and a job that kids either love or hate. When I came up with these two questions, they didn't seem very difficult, but now that I'm saying them out loud... <laughs> oh, well. I think they're calibrated perfectly. <laughs> Says the resident biologist. Right. Question three. The honey guide is a bird that loves to feed on wax and larvae found in beehives. However, it cannot get into the beehives to extract its favourite meal alone. What organism does it partner up with to get its favourite meal? I'll read that again. The honey guide is a bird that loves to feed on wax and larvae found in beehives. However, it cannot get into the beehives to extract its favourite meal alone. What organism does it partner up with to get its favourite meal? Extra points if you tell me how this is done. Um, your hints are very delightful. I don't really need a hint, but I would love to hear what this delightful hint of yours is. All right. Hands up for hints. Yeah, okay. A chorus of hands wiggling their fingers back at me. The hint is both organisms in the symbiont pair have two legs. Are you sure? Bibs, look, Bib, so Bibs just giving everyone a big side eye there. Something suspicious about that hint, apparently. Mmm. Depends how much research you've done into this recently, Mr. Loridian. Hmm. <laughs> Mr. Loridian. <laughs> this was about honey guides, right? Yep. Okay. Okay. So, question one. Shall we have some answers? Um... Bibloridian. What is the name given to a... If, actually, if you know this one, it might be better to hear what other people say first. So give me a nod if you're very confident. I'm like 80% sure. There's, there's a n little niggling voice of self-doubt. But... Okay, well, with Edgar's permission, might I read the names in a different order? Yeah, start, I'll start with, start with Mitch and just cycle around and finish with Bib. All right, Mitch. What is the name given to a class of symbiotic organisms that have many different body shapes, including squamulos, bisoid, crustos, lepros, and filamentous? I have no idea. Like, for like, like for some reason, like, like the hint of, about YouTubers, I was like, okay, what are uh, internet video words? And I was like, going viral. It's a virus of some sort, right? But that's not a symbiote. That's not even alive, technically, right? So that doesn't make sense. Uh... So I went with something that doesn't make sense in a different way. I said, this is, uh, these are all shapes of tapeworm. How right. did you get the tapeworm from YouTuber? It wasn't from YouTuber. It oh, was okay. from the shape words. Okay, yeah, yeah. The, sure, the shape sure. words were like, yeah, that could be a type of worm. Sure, 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 sure. What are YouTubers right. if not the, the intestinal parasites of the internet? Hmm. Brew. <laughs> I resent that. Uh, David. I went with Amoebae, oh, which you can so learn about on YouTube. Talked about by YouTubers. That's true. An extraordinary spelling there. I have no idea how to spell Amoebae. I'm not even going to try. Uh, Jesse. Well, my first answer pre-hint was 
They are all obviously in the class of amorphoids. My post-hint answer was that they are obviously in the class of the Artifexio Bibleridians. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously. I thought that was too obvious, so I didn't write that. I mean, there are so many clades right, yeah. of protists these days, that's probably a valid taxon at this point. <laughs> Wouldn't it be the Artifexio Bibleridia? Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I I did make a mistake there. Mm. But it's all right. We all make mistakes. Unacceptable. <laughs> thank you. The taxonomist will be out for your blood. <laughs> Bill. Well, I wrote down something else first, uh, which I've actually spelled wrong. I've I've now seen. Um. Uh. But I changed my answer to algae because that is a symbiote. Hmm. Bioluminescent algae. And then finally, uh, Bib, tell us all what the right answer is. So I said Logan Paul. Uh, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unless I'm gravely mistaken, this this is lichen, is it not? It is. Oh. That was what I meant to say. That was the one thing I was thinking of. Oh. Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I made this the first question, because I thought oh. you guys are definitely going to get that this. Was, that was the thing I was thinking of, and I named Man. it wrong. God damn it. Wow. That what, is... What is the symbi that uh, that, that oats? Fungus. Yeah, but it's not always an algae, actually. Sometimes it's cyanobacteria. Mm. And it's not always just um, one and the other. Sometimes the fungus that forms the substrate will host more than one variety of photosynthetic organism. Um, but I'm definitely going to give Bill half a point because he's got half the organism. Mm. You got the algae part. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, man, it, this is not how you hold on oh, to a lead. It's not. It's not. You do, you do not give Bill points. <laughs> it's all about having a good game. Every year. Every all right. Year. Question two. What two symbionts remind Nemo of home? Mitch. Uh, that's the anemone and clownfish. I am not spelling that. Uh, it's N N M E, an enemy. Yeah, clownfish plus other. That's fine. Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, David. I also wrote C anemone and clownfish. Uh, anemone is spelled just like you think it was spelled if you were four. Anemone. Jesse. I, I wrote also C anemone. I knew that one. But it said reminded him of home. He is a clownfish, so that doesn't make much sense. So yeah. based on the hint with something that kids either love or hate, I thought that maybe taking a bath. So I wrote sponge as my second answer. Maybe it's a rock. The like sea, a sea sponge. The, the hmm. thing that the sea anemone is on. The coral? Yeah. Somewhere. I don't know. Bill. I think I've misunderstood, misinterpreted the question here as two separate systems, not like two symbiotes that like symbiotes together but like four different things creating two etc uh so i wrote down uh coral uh because it's from the great barrier reef that maybe is some kind of symbiotic thing and i wrote down a portuguese man of war because i just like the fact that they're uh technically some kind of symbiote rather than a, an act actually strictly speaking being a jellyfish and they all live in the sea so i yeah. thought that was that was good <laughs> And Bib, tell us all the answer. 
Um, yes, I have down anemone and fish of the genus Amphiprion, otherwise known as clownfish. Oh, there's a flex. I, I'm I'm seriously hemorrhaging points here, so I've got to I've got to exercise every advantage I can. Yeah, the answer is the sea anemone and the clownfish. Okay, well, the, I I have to agree with Jesse. I think there is a oddity about how that question was worded. That I don't know. Like, do humans remind you of home? I guess some do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that lady wearing overalls yesterday reminded me of home. <laughs> but it's not the reminding you overalls? of home, it's reminding Nemo of home. I know, but it's just, I don't know. I, like, he would just you know, need to Nemo look doesn't at see a lot of other clownfish. So, like, whenever he looks in the mirror, he is reminded of home? The film begins with a traumatic scene of his mother and hundreds of other siblings being consumed by a barracuda. Dude, spoilers, Whoa. come on. <laughs> Wow, yes. so I, I guess Barracuda could remind him of home because he'll never forget that, huh? Yep, but Barracuda <laughs> does not form a symbiont relationship. It is a great song, though. Ooh, this is Barracuda. true. That is a good, great song, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, just for time's sake, I won't go into the intricacies of this symbiotic relationship, but I encourage everyone listening to go and look it up and to watch Finding Nemo. And again. also their life cycle, which is very interesting. All right, good. Now, question three. The honey guide is a bird that loves to feed on wax and larvae found in beehives. However, it cannot get into the beehives to extract its favourite meal alone. What organism does it partner up with to get its favourite meal? Mitch. Uh, it's humans. Uh, the, the, the way it works is they just ask politely and the humans just get it for them. Oh. <laughs> aren't, aren't we great? Uh, David. Uh, I said bears. And uh, the bears, you know, get at the hives by, you know, swiping at them. You know, they dig in with their little paws. Um, so, you know, they get it out with the paws. And then the little, are you saying honey guide? Yeah. Yes. What a weird name. And they guide themselves into the hives and get the sweet, sweet larvae. Jesse. My original answer was either ants or gnats, but then the clue was given, and so I changed it to humans on their two legs, and, and they help. My answer is here that humans help quite by accident. They leave a lot of byproduct from honey making lying about instead of using 100% of their brain to figure out how to use it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. you, you know that ants have two legs. But they, but they have more. They do have more, but they have two legs. Mm. Bill. They have to legs. It's something they just have to do. <laughs> um, I said bears. I was kind of thinking humans, but then if there's controversy over them only having two legs, I mean, I think it's generally accepted that humans ha tend to, broadly speaking, have two legs. Um, and maybe you can argue that the bear's forelimbs don't count as legs under some kind of classification. Um and I reckon they do it, but like they're they're called honey guides. So I reckon the the birds alert the bears to the presence of the the beehive or the nest or whatever, and then the bear oh. like opens it up. Uh, That's so, kind of brilliant. So the mm -hmm. so the bird can get inside. That's my guess. Hell of deduction right there, Bib. Okay, so the hint did throw me off quite a lot because yeah, at the mention of them having two legs, I was thinking either it's another type of bird. Or maybe humans, as others have pointed out. But the initial answer that I had down that I'm going to stick with 
I mean, assume that when you say they have two legs, that implies that they have at least two legs. Because the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the classic example mm-hmm. is honey badgers. Because honey guides and some other types of birds, they rely on the honey badger because the honey badger is at least partially immune to the uh, bee's venom. So they dig themselves into the, um, into the hive and pull out chunks of the honeycomb and get mobbed by the bees. And it's only after the honey badger is like, dragged out all the, the good stuff in the middle of the honey guide swoops down and picks it up. I thought honey badgers like were carnivorous, like because there are all those videos on YouTube about you know what badasses the honey badger. They are is. they are quite generalist. They'll go for pretty much anything they can find. I mean, bears are the same way, aren't they? They eat honey, but they also love to kill and eat other animals. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, the answer is humans. <sighs> hey. Now, the reason why what? it's not a honey badger is because it's not a symbiotic relationship. They just happen to pick up the remnants of what the honey badger is doing alone. The guide doesn't influence its behavior. But that's commensalism. But honey... Yeah, but it doesn't. It's not like it's not mutualism. But that. <sighs> What happens is the honey guide bird will come to the humans and sing a special song, and the humans whistle back, and then the bird leads them to where the bees are. The humans then build a fire near or at the base of the tree that the bee's nest is in to smoke them out, gather the honey, and then sometimes they leave some of the nest extracted for the honey guide bird to eat, but sometimes they just bury or destroy it because they think if the honey guide is sated, then it will stop leading them to the honey. <laughs> That's I, rude. So, so they do ask I, nicely. I'm a human. I don't works. do this. Yeah, no, Mitch Mitch has got the answer. Yay! That was a complete guess because you said, like, I was thinking, well, there's not that many creatures that walk on two legs. It would make sense if it was people. That was just a complete guess. Wow. Now, okay. my, the way I phrased the question didn't require the mechanism to be described, so Jesse also has the answer with humans. Yeah, yeah. Come Yay! On. Uh, sorry, but does Mitch get the... You said bonus points for... You did say it would be a bonus point if you said the mechanism. Yeah, so ask nicely. I'm happy to interpret that as being the whistling. And what's quite nice, um, you can see this most readily, or at least the studies I've read, concern the Hadza people of Tanzania who live around Lake Iyasu. And they've sort of passed down through their generations a particular set of songs and whistling tunes that are used to... Um, get the honey guide to come to the humans and then you kind of exchange this whistling rapport and then they go off and fly to the honey and lead you along. So cool. Super cool. Wow. Honey guides are vicious birds. The the, the young especially because they're brood parasites or at least greater honey guides. They're born with these on their beaks. They've got these little things that look like, like little ice picks and they're they have this instinct from the moment they hatch because they're, they're brood parasites. They hatch in a different bird's nest. As soon as the chicks hatch, they immediately thrash around and just kill and break open all the other eggs in the nest around them. Dang. Very vicious. Yikes. Nature's they metal. look pretty fluffy and cute. Look at that. Oh, they do. That's unfortunate. They're so mean. <laughs> look, at the, look at this one. He looks so angry. They violate the <laughs> Langtime <laughs> Studio motto of don't be evil. <laughs> Okay, so um, that's that was the third question, wasn't it, Lycan? Yep, that's it. Yeah, so that draws Lycan's round to a close and thusly the entire quiz to a close. So uh, we have some results to announce. We have um, we have no draw, so we'll not get to see uh, the bonus round. Um, 
So in first place, uh, with 10.6 points of a possible 15, um, excluding inspiration points, is Lycan. Congratulations, Lycan. We, we, we toppled Bill. Thank you. Uh, in second place, we have Bill with nine uh, points out of 15. In third Heavy place, is the head that wears the crown. Finally, I can rest. <laughs> in third place, uh, on, his, on his debut, uh, David with 8.25 points out of 15. Um, well done. Arr. It's my well-known pirate slogan. You know, it's, that's my motto. Then in uh, fourth place, uh, we have Jesse with uh, 7.75 points out of 15. Um, Just over 50%. Thank you. <laughs> uh, then uh, in was that fifth place, yeah, fifth place, we have Mitch with seven, as ever, Mitch with these decimal points. Um, we have Mitch with 7.225 points. How do we end up with that? Oh, you got like a eighth, eighth, of eighth, point. Of point, an eighth of point in round one for something. And then taking the customary Artifexian slot in the quiz is Bibleridian in last place with five out of 15. I was very much out of my depth this time around. Um, so thanks so much, everyone, for coming once again. Thanks to everyone listening and everyone watching for, uh, for partaking in this with us. Uh, I want to wish everyone here on the call and everyone out there watching and listening a very happy, happy holidays, happy new year. Um, stay safe, healthy, all that sort of thing. Myself and Bill, we're going to see you in the new year sometime. Um, and oh yeah, I should say to David and Jesse, uh, what we usually do here, there's uh, at the end, God, it's so embarrassing to vocalize this. Uh, at the end of each of these recordings, our sort of sign off thing is to say Edgar out. It's become this meme. So what we've been doing every year is that I go until next time. And then everyone all at once in a chaotic mess of noise says Edgar out. And I like mm. stitch it together in the most chaotic manner, etc. So if you're willing to partake in the tradition, um, we should give it a go. All right. Yes. Yeah. I also do hope that when you get our audio file, you get what has been, I think, the world's longest recorded tummy rumbling. I'm obviously hungry and like the entire <laughs> outro, badger. that entire outro that you just did, my stomach was just rumbling and I couldn't oh, no. stop laughing. I, anyway. it won't be, it won't be an issue at all. Um, it'd be grand. All right. Okay. So until next time. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good.